Hello, and thank you for connecting with us here at Oasis Online. If this ministry is an encouragement to you, I would love to hear from you. Would you send me an email at pastor at obclv.org? I hope you enjoy the service today and that God would speak directly to your heart. Well, amen. Again, thank you so much for being here and for the music this morning. It's in John chapter 10, in verse number 12 through 14, he says this, But he that is a hireling, and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he's in a hireling, and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. We are coming into chapter number 5 of First Peter, where we've been uh, for quite a while. We'll wrap it up next week. But in chapter number 5, Peter begins to kind of write, and he's speaking specifically to the elders. And he's basically saying, hey, listen, we've, we've been through and we're going through all of these things. If you've been with us, we've, we've talked a lot about the different sufferings and the things, the persecution that was taking place as, as Peter was writing to these folks that, that Christians were, were really taking on. But he says, hey, stop. I want you to continue to, to move forward. I want you to continue to press on. We must look at these people. We must love on these people. We must encourage those that are within our church, those that are within the flock. He truly emphasizes here, as we, we look at this, he emphasizes the the reality of we being people that are very similar to sheep. I know we don't like to be correlated with animals. Probably you don't, no more than I do. Uh, but the reality is when you look at the similarities between people and sheep, uh, we'll look at some of those this morning, but there's very much, there's a lot of things that we have tendencies that would be the same. Sheep have tendencies that would be... Uh, they don't really take care of themselves very well. We don't often do the same. We require an ample amount of time and attention. We find ourselves lost and searching for our way. We need protection. We can find ourselves caught in the thicket. We find ourselves needing cleaned and on and on and on and on that we can look at the things that a sheep needs and the things that we need as people. Most of you would say, well, I don't need ample amount of time and attention. We do. Most of us are very selfish. Not most of us. All of us are selfish people. We need often all of these things. We need somebody to come alongside of us and say, hey, smack us in the back of the head. Hey, we can't do that. Hey, you need not do that. Let's not act this way. Let's not say those things. We need all of those things. Just the same as a shepherd needs to walk alongside of a sheep and say, uh, hey, we can't go over there. Hey, I need to help you over here. Let's, let's get out of this area. We're going to come to this area because it's more safe. We need all of those things. And in this part of, the, of this passage of Scripture, in this context, Peter is writing uh, and he's looking at the elders that are in the midst of a storm. And as Peter has done over and over throughout this letter, he is constantly encouraging them as leaders. One of the things that I have found that I loved about this passage is Peter didn't look at them and say, hey, all of you as elders, look at me as the chief of elders. 
look at me as the, the leader of you. He says, no, he doesn't say that. He says, I am an elder. I am a fellow elder with you, and I'm here to, to help you. I want to encourage you. I'm in and amongst this just like you are. And he comes in, and he, he does those things serving alongside of them, helping them to stay the course. Hey, don't flake out. Your people need you. The wolves are coming. They're in the midst of you. Be the shepherd you are to be. Don't be the hireling that when things go wrong, that things get tough, that you walk away. Listen, there's pastors and there's churches all across the country that when things go wrong, the easiest thing to do is to, to check out. Listen, there's families and there's husbands and wives that sit in this room and we'll get to this here. But the reality is there's many people that when things go wrong, we just check out. This passage of scripture deals with elders. And I'm not foolish enough to to not know this, but it deals with me. In this particular body of Christ, I am the pastor. I am the elder of this church. But I've said this many times, as we go through this passage of Scripture, just because of the passage that we're in, don't look at me and say, Ah, <laughs> this is a great day. I came to church and no one's going to talk to me. I believe this has just as much to do with you as it does to me. Because the reality is this, Dad, you are the elder, the pastor, the spiritual oversight in your home. Mom, you may be a single mother. You might be that spiritual oversight in your home. You may say, well, it's good on me. My kids are long gone. Let me ask you this. Spiritually, who's looking up to you? Spiritually, who are you reaching back to to say, hey, what if I, how could I help you? Who are you looking up to? Well, I'm 75 years old. There's not many people elder than me. But there are some. We all have somebody that we need to look to for spiritual guidance. Hey, if I were to take it out of that context of the home or any of those things, you have people that you go to work with on a daily basis, and they do not have a pastor because they do not attend church. But they come to work and they know you are a believer in Christ. You are one of those religious ones, right? That's what they call you. That's what they call me. You're a little too religious. You're weird. But listen, I promise you, if you go to work tomorrow and you understand that you may be the pastor to those people in your office, when you go home today and you are and you might be the pastor of your neighborhood because people are watching you because they know you believe and you stand on something, I promise you that when spouse falls into cancer, when somebody close passes away when life hits almost always those people will look to somebody and they'll say hey um and it may be bashful and but uh hey i i i think you go to church would you pray for my family because you've been the pastor so to speak you've been a spiritual oversight though you may not look at that in their lives and so as we go through this passage this morning yes it's specific to those that are the shepherd those that are leading a body leading the flock of of, that, that God has given to us but it's also very important that we look at ourselves 
whether you sit and stand as the title pastor or not, men in your home, you are that. We've just brought Dan and Rachel on. They're leading our youth ministry right now, and they've just kind of got involved in that thing. Listen, mom and dad, if you have a teenager, or if you have a 7-year-old, a 10-year-old, whatever it is, and you think it's going to be their job to disciple your child, you're wrong. It is my job to, to, to pastor. It is my job to disciple and to mentor and to bring my children up into the admonition of the Lord. It is not Dan's job. It is not Rachel's job. Well, you're the pastor. Yep, I am. And whether I'm a pastor or I'm not, my four children need to be guided and led by their father, and the church will come alongside to love and to help in that process. So as we go through all of these things, keep all of that in the back of our minds, that it is our job, each and every one of you that knows Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that sit in this room, could be looked at as, a, as an elder, so to speak, as we look at this passage of Scripture. And so, know up front that I'm not taking the passage out of context, but I do believe, seriously, we are all of those things to somebody in our lives. If you have a Bible this morning, 1 Peter chapter number 5 is where we will be. I'm going to read the first four verses, and then we'll get into a few points, and we will... I will get you to your game or your lunch or whatever that is at some point today. 1 Peter chapter 5, starting in verse number 1. The elders, who am, I, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight Thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Father God, this morning, that's been awesome to be in your house. It's been great to meet with other believers and to fellowship and to sing the songs that we've sung and to be able to celebrate in baptism. But God, I pray now as we open your word, as we dive into your word, that you would speak to us, that you would challenge us, that you would pierce our hearts as only your word can do. Lord, meet with us today as we open up your word. In Jesus' name, amen. The first thought this morning is this, a personal experience with Christ. In chapter 5 and verse 1, it says, Elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. If we look at this passage of Scripture, Peter is the one who is writing, and he says all of these things. He gives two things, that he was a witness. He was, he was somebody that experienced God in this manner. One of them was he experienced the suffering of Jesus Christ. Peter was there. He witnessed with his eyes. He saw it. He was a part of it. We know the story. Peter what? He denied Christ. He was in all of that. The other thing is Peter saw and witnessed with his eyes the glory of God. In Matthew chapter number 17 in the first 10 verses it says this. It says, And after six days Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John his brother and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart and was transfigured before them. 
And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, I always love, Peter is the one that has to say something. I just always love that. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias. And while he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, be not afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, saying, Tell the vision to no man until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. As we look at this passage of Scripture, I I kind of made that first initial title, Experience, our personal experience with Christ. Peter was brought to the Mount of Transfiguration, and Peter had a meeting with Jesus unlike anything that really very, very few people have ever seen. And Jesus got to see, and as it said, he looked at Jesus, and his, his, white, or his face was shining, his clothes were white, and, and we see all of these things that Jesus got to see. He got to witness the glory of God, unlike but only a couple people had ever seen. And he sits here, and he's writing this letter, and he's telling these people, he's telling the elders, hey, listen, there is a suffering, but the glory that awaits you is so amazing. The glory that is coming is so much worth. Just just keep it on. Keep pressing. Keep pressing. Keep pressing. I know it might be tough. I know all these things. And he's encouraging these elders. Listen, I'm letting you know I saw it firsthand. I say to you this morning, the majority of people that sit in this room would say, yes, I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. There was a time in my life where I could tell you, this is when I came to know Jesus, and this is my testimony. This is my personal experience. And as I go through my life, and as you go through your life, and we get the chance to share that personal experience with others, we are no different than Peter here. Because Peter, yes, he's writing to those elders, and he's writing to them, and he's encouraging them. But he says, hey... This is what I've seen in God. This is the, this is the life that, that's been given to me. This is what I've seen. This is my experience. And he shares that of the suffering. He shares that of the, the amazing glory that we all will have one day. And he encouraged them. And throughout this whole book of Peter, throughout his whole letter, he was giving them a constant hope. A constant hope. I've said this so many times and I've, I've shared it at funerals and I've shared it with, with people that have lost a loved one or different things, but it's, it's one of those things. If there's one thing that we have, it's a hope in God. When things are not good, I can look and I know that I have a hope in God. When the world is caving in all around me, I know that I have a hope in God. I shared with you last week Literally the stories that were coming out of this time where Nero and his leaders and the the government underneath of Nero, they would, they burnt all of Rome. 
They burnt all of Rome. And when the story started coming back around that Nero was the one who lit the place on fire, you can go look at the history yourself. When Nero was the one who lit the place on fire, they quickly turned it and they pointed it towards Christians. And Nero would take and he would, he literally would use human beings as the lights, as the lamps for his parties. And Peter is writing to these guys. And he's saying, hey, it's worth it. There's a hope in the midst of every struggle, every persecution, everything that's going on. Keep fighting. Keep pressing on. Keep doing that which you are doing. What a joy to know that we have a story. Can I tell you this morning, maybe you would sit in this room and you would say, I don't have a story of Christ. I can't make a decision for you. I can't tell you what to do. But I'll promise you this, and this would be my personal testimony. There has been no greater life. I wouldn't change anything that's ever happened in my life. I get that I'm young, and I've never faced some of the things that maybe some of you have faced. But knowing Christ as my Savior is the greatest thing that could ever be. It's been amazing. Has it been easy? No. No. I, I've shared this. It's been very public. I would say the last five years of my life have been the hardest five years of my life. When Alan Cabrales looked at me across the table with all the leaders of men and said, he'll do it. First weekend of November, five years from now. From it would be, it'll be it'll be five years in November. I'll never forget that Saturday night, as long as I live. And I promise you, those next several years were some of the hardest times of my life. But you know what? I also can promise you, over the last five years, I can look back and I can see where God showed Himself real. And where God showed himself real again. And where God showed himself real again. And where God showed himself real again. And the experience, the story that I have to share, the story that many of you have to share, that personal experience. Listen, if you do not know Christ as your Savior, there is no greater story that you'll ever have than coming to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. It's the greatest thing. And just as much as that, let me encourage you that do know. Peter's walk was real and genuine. Peter didn't just come to a place. Look at Peter's life. He denied Christ. He cut off a dude's ear. He did all of the things that we should not do. Peter was right there in the mix. And yet God said, hey, I'm going to use you. And I'm going to use you as the kind of foundation for the church. Peter's story wasn't one of him just walking in and saying, hello, here I am. No, God got a hold of him. And as he came to know Christ intimately through prayer and through reading and through study and through all of the things that he has done, he came to that place where, listen, as he led those elders, this is the personal experience. Know this, 
that the suffering is well worth it because the glory on the other side will be unlike anything that you've ever seen or will ever experience. The second thought is that he, would, he says to those that, are, that, are, that he's writing to, the elders there, he says, hey, love the sheep, the love of the sheep. He says in verse 2, feed the flock which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly. And he goes through these first, these couple verses in 2 and 3. And this is one of the most convicting things for me personally, as the pastor of this church, is he says this. He says, feed the flock. What does it say? In your Bible, what does it say? Feed the flock of God. To me, that was one of the most, that was very convicting. It's humbling to stand before you. Yes, God called me to be the shepherd to to pastor this church. But this is not my church. You are not my people. You are God's. And he said, Aaron, here you go. And I said, God, you have no... No, because I I stand before you. You're not mine. We can take it personal. Those children, they're not yours. Those are God's. God has blessed us with four kids. Those are His children. I'm going to do everything I can to guide them and to disciple them and to lead them. But as we look at that thought... When that, when I was reading that, when I was studying that, that just, it jumped out that this is not my thing. This is God's thing. Now let me encourage you with this. I believe with everything in me, this is my church. Not as in, you are my people, but this is my church. I'm a part of this church. Before I was the pastor of this church, I was a member of this church. This has been, this is my church. And so if you hear me say, this is my church at Oasis, it's not mine in the sense that I'm the dictator owner of this place. No, this is my church. This is my home. And I hope you feel the same way if this is what you call home. That this is yours. But this is God's church. This is, these are, you are God's people. We attend His church and we are called to feed and shepherd His flock. The image again, they're back to the flock. Peter tells the, we look at just again some more characteristics of, of, people and the sheep that God calls us. We both flock together, do we not? The sheep are notoriously ignorant and prone to wander. Sheep are defenseless and need the protection of a shepherd. They are useful, but were not used for meat. They were used for wool and for milk and for producing lambs. We are to be useful and use the gifts that God has given us and to reproduce ourselves by bringing others to Him. Let me ask you, who have you reproduced? As a, and beyond leading them to Christ, I've been able to disciple them and bring them under my wing and say, that is somebody, as I trip, that is somebody, as Paul said, that's my child in the faith. We are called to do just that. Sheep were for sacrifice. We ought to feed the flock. If you go back, one of my favorite passages of Scripture, Jesus saying to Peter, Hey, you love me? Feed the flock. Feed the sheep. Do you love me? Peter getting angry. Yes. Do you love me? What he kept telling him to do? Feed them. Feed them. 
Peter now giving that same thought back to those elders that he is water. So the shepherd had to go before them to scout the pasture to make sure it was safe for grazing and that the water was safe. There were no pits. They had to, the shepherds would go before. They would look for, to make sure that the food that was in the area that they were going to take them to, and they would graze that area themselves as a shepherd, and they would make sure that it wasn't poisonous food and that the, the water was good to drink, and they had to feed them. That is our job as elders. That is our job to, to feed. The shepherd needs to give special attention to cleaning and grooming and caring as to give them the things that they need. In my case, and in our case, we are to do the same thing. We must lead. It is my job to feed you spiritually to the best of my ability. It is my job to encourage you in God's Word. That you wouldn't just listen to me, but that you would open God's Word, that you would study God's Word, that you would do the things that you are called to do. Last week is a perfect example. When I left the service, feeling good. I yelled and screamed and it was a good day. I get out in the back and two lovely ladies let me know, hey, you said, and this is my public, whatever, apology. I had made reference in the passage of scripture that, that um, Stephen, when he was being stoned, that he looked out and he saw the, the men as stoning him were as angels. And I confused two pieces two passages of scripture thankfully it wasn't heretical or any of that but um but basically in the passage just before that Stephen was standing before all of the men and he was being charged they were lying they were saying all of these things so that he would eventually be killed and it says that the the those that were accusing him looked at him as if he was an angel and so I spoke it backwards and these ladies, both two of them, at two different, separate times, came up to me and said, I don't know that that's in there. And I'm like, no, I remember reading this. And so I had to go back, and I had to study through it, and I had to text them back later. And I said, hey, here's what it was, here's what I did. But listen, I love that. Because here's why. It is not your job to come on Sunday, and this is what feeds you. I want to challenge you. I want you to go home and to dive into God's Word and to know it for yourself, not because this is what Pastor Aaron said. And at the end of a service, if I've done wrong, then come say something to me. I want that. Because I don't want to say something that's wrong. What is my number one job? To teach the gospel message of Jesus Christ, to teach the full counsel of God. Your job is to study it and to know it. And I want to do my best to teach it. So I apologize that I did that last week. And that's my public apology to you all. It was a test. That's why I did it. I just was curious if anybody would notice. That's when I go, man, why didn't I put any of that in my notes? That was off the cuff. And, but anyway, so they were, we were to, to feed the flock. And it also says that we would over, there's oversight, to have a scope over to look upon. That is to watch over. That is to, to, to watch, to look, and to oversee. The leader of the shepherd is to be among the sheep, yet over them. The leader and the shepherd is to be among the sheep, but yet to look over them. What does God's word say? Jesus says that he knows the names. A shepherd would know the sheep. He would know the sound. They would know his voice. Listen, how would you know the voice if you just stand from the back and you stand afar and you go, okay, guys, this is what we're doing. 
No, you have to be in and amongst it. As for me, I look at this, I need to know you to the best of my ability. I don't know how many is here this morning, 140, 150, whatever it is. I can't intimately know every one of you. I desire to know you. I want to be a part of you. I want to. Why? So I can feed you in the manner in which I desire to do that God would give that. But you know one of the hardest parts are? Is as we become friends, I still have to be the leader. You know what's hard with your children? As they grow up and you become uh, more of a mentor and more of a friend in that regard, you still have to be parents. And you still have to discipline. And you still have to lead them. You know, sometimes we become really good friends. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, hey, we can't do that. And it's like, well, pastor, well, I thought we were friends. But it's still my job to lead. It's still our job to be that. Why? That's oversight. That's a part of what it is. He says... That it would not be of constraint. That is, that it's not under compulsion. If we go to this passage, it says there, neither as being lords over them. That we would not be by constraint, sorry, but willingly. That, that I, it's not something that, that we do because we have to do, but that it's a joy to be a servant, to, to do those things out of joy, not because it's a, a must do. He says, not for the sake of money or filthy lucre. It's not that we are seeking financial gain. And if you study this passage, it's not even that it's right or wrong as to how much, hey, I don't like that he makes too much, he makes too much money as a pastor. No, this is speaking specifically that I would be masquerading myself as something to gain money. You see it on television all the time. Hey, give me 20 bucks. I'll send you a piece of paper and you can pray on it. And all of your bless, everything will just come pouring out over you. No, that's a lie. And that's a man that would stand before you seeking gain and power and prestige, not preaching the counsel of God. If anybody, if you believe any of that, that somebody is going to give you something and your life is going to change financially or any of those things, it's wrong. Nowhere in Scripture does God say, when you get saved, you will be blessed with anything except for the eternity with God. I'm not promised that this life is going to be peachy. I am promised that I will not be separated from God for all of eternity and that I would worship at His feet for the rest of our, our days. That's about it. Is there blessing in it? Absolutely. God said that we would have life and have it to the abundance. Man, I have not lived a perfect life, but in my knowing Christ, I have had a blast. I've been able to do many things. It's been an honor. I've gotten to travel the world. I've been to places some people dream of. It was a year ago I stood at the base looking up at the pyramids in Egypt. I mean, that's amazing. If you've never seen it, you've seen pictures of it, you go, that's really cool. It is really cool. But when you see it face to face and you're standing on it, it's a whole different world. I was in the garden where Jesus prayed. I've been fortunate to do some of those things. I've been fortunate to help around the world with 
children who are in an orphanage and all of those things. I'm fortunate in about three and a half weeks, two and a half, three weeks, I'm going to be in Brazil teaching right on the Amazon River in the jungles of the Amazon River, teaching local pastors as they go out into the jungles to reach people for Christ. In about a month and a half, there's some of you and myself, we're going to be in Haiti and we're going to be serving people. That's an amazing opportunity that God has allowed me to be a part of. Those are incredible things. But nowhere is it promised that those are the things that are going to happen to you because you follow Jesus. There's a lot of people that will say, if you do these things, why? They're doing it for the sake of money. It says that we would be of a ready mind, that we would be eager and willing to serve and not lording over the people. That we would be an example. Really, that is so self-explanatory, but we would be an example. That our actions, that our deeds would be in it, that my life would be such an, a life that you would be able to say, or that I could look before you and I could say, just as Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Hey, my desire is that. I strive to do that. I want to be an example, first and foremost, for my four children, but I want to be an example to you. Not because I'm the pastor, because I'm a follower of Christ. And I want to I want to live my life in such a manner that people you could you could see me. I want to be real. I want to be in front of you, not in the sense I'm leading. But I, it's not an Eric ego thing. I I want to be with you. I want to be around you. I want to I want to be able to say, Hey, follow me. I'm doing my best to follow Christ, and this is where we're going. I hope you come along. And I want you to be able to say, Hey, I I believe I can follow that guy. That's what. You need to be in your home. Are your children looking to you and saying, hey, I can follow that guy. I can follow that one, my mom, my dad. Are your neighbors looking at you and saying, hey, that's a, that's a pretty good guy over there. I can, maybe they don't follow you, but I can follow that guy. At work, so on and so forth. We need to be an example. Bottom line with that, we must practice what we preach. If we expect those around us to do what we are asking, we must love the sheep. Lastly this morning, for what reason do we serve? For what reason do we serve? This passage in verse number four, it says this, And when the chief shepherd shall appear. In all reality, I really don't have to go into grave detail about this. It's almost self-explanatory. But listen, we do all of these things for when, when Jesus Christ comes back, when He returns, why do we do all of this? Why do people around the world die for the sake of Christ? Why did, did Jesus Himself go and be hung upon a cross? Why did the disciples, almost every one of them, get killed for their faith? Why and why and why? Why? Because one day the chief shepherd is returning and He's coming to take me with Him. And you know what? I sure hope I live a life that I'm bringing a whole bunch of people with me. And he says this, the chief shepherd would return, and it says, and ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. You know what? We, we receive crowns on this earth. In that day and age, they would receive a wreath of some form. If you won a race and you were in the Olympics or whatever, you would, got, you would get some type of a re, of wreath or some type of reward and you would get that place around your neck. 
You know, one day I'm going to go to heaven and I'm going to get the rewards, whatever those things are that God would, that I would have. And I don't know about you because I've thought about this a little bit. When we get a reward, what do we do with it? We put it on a shelf. We hang it up. Hey, look what I did. You know what's going to be awesome? Whatever rewards that I have that are not perishable, because it says that it will not fade away, I'm going to be able to take those. And I'm not going to post them up in my mansion or my house on Main Street in heaven. I'm going to take them. And I'm going to go before Jesus. And I'm going to lay them at his feet. Hey, I don't know what that's like. I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know what that's going to be like. But I can promise you, I can guarantee you this. It is well worth it. So tomorrow when you go to work and the co-worker beside you wants to make fun of you, the crown that you may receive, the glory when you look upon Jesus, kind of like when I'm looking in this light right now and I can't see, the face that is shining, the, the, the robe in white and the things, the gold that's going to be on the streets, the things that we will see are going to be far worth it. When our co-worker calls us a name because he doesn't like what we stand for. You know what? We get angry over movies because they make fun of Christians and they make fun of Christianity. And it is irritating and it's frustrating. But we know why they do that. Because there is but only one name that will instantly give a divide in this nation and this world. And it's the name of Jesus. And I get to stand boldly, proudly, every single day of my life and say, it is upon that name which I will live my life. And it is upon that name which I will do the things that I do. And I will seek out Christ. And I will live my life based on the name of Jesus Christ, based on God's word, and it is upon that name that it is well worth it that one day I will be able to give the crowns at his feet. Why do we do it? For what reason do we serve God? Because he is almighty. He is worthy of my prayer. See, on this earth, we look at it in so many different ways that it's not what God would have it to be. Please, everybody. Sure it is. If my job was to please all 150 of you. My job's not to please all 150 of you. What about the guy? I'm the biggest giver here. Good. Because when you leave... And I says, I'm not being nasty. God has far more money than you. I've said this from the pulpit. I know I'm a Baptist preacher. I've told you, don't give. I don't need your money. It's an honor to give. My job is not to please the one that gives the most in this church. Well, that hurts my feelings. I'm sorry. Here's to the best of my ability. Listen, I want to please you. I'm a human being. 
to the best of my ability, this is kind of how I've lived my life in ministry. I am not here to serve you. I've said this before. I am not here to serve you. I'm here to serve the Lord. And serving Him, I get to serve you. I have tried. I am not perfect. There's times I'm sure I've made decisions because somebody that I liked asked me something or whatever it would be. I, I, I'm, I guarantee it's happened. I don't, can't think of one off the top of my head. But I'm sure it has. But I try to the best of my ability to live by that statement. I am not here to serve you. I am here to serve the Lord. And when I serve Him, I get to serve you. There's no greater joy than that. Listen, it is the greatest honor of my life to serve you as this church. It truly is. But I can't live my life to please and make you happy. In John chapter 10, it says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. In John, or in, uh, it says that he is a great shepherd in Hebrews chapter 13. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. The chief shepherd is going to return. He's going to come back for the sheep. The reward for doing His work is not here on this earth. Though there are many, many, many blessings that come with serving people, I don't serve people to gain an earthly reward. I am not here to earn fame and prestige. I am not here for this position. But to honor and do my best to desire to please God and God alone. You know, the most humbling thing as we close this morning is that I may look the greatest part and pastors all around this country and all around this world may look the best part. Pastor X may be more famous because their church runs 500, 1,000, 3,000, 5,000, 10,000, whatever that number might be, and they are very famous and they are very all of those things. But here's the most humbling part of this. God does not judge me when I get to glory because I had 150 or if I had 5,000. God is going to judge me based on me and how I led this flock. And he's not going to look at me like you look at me and say, oh, he's a nice young man and he, he loves Jesus and he, he does this and he does that. No, God doesn't look at me and say, he's a nice young man and any of those things. God's going to look at me from the intent of my heart and what I have done. And he alone will be my judge. And he alone will be all of those things. And it's the same for you, Dad. I can't stand before God and say, well, this was a great man in my church. He was there every time the doors were open, and he served in all of these capacities. God is going to be the one that's going to stand before you, or as you stand before God, and God is going to be the one that says, yeah, but every area of his life was a mess, though he was in church. That's humbling. That's humbling. Because it's not how good that I look to you or how good you look to me. It's that God is the one that's ultimately our judge. Hey, I will stand before God as to how I led this church. You will stand before God as to how you lead your home and how you do those things. But as we look at all of this this morning as we close out, shepherding is serious. Shepherding is sobering. It is a great responsibility and one to which we are directly accountable to the Lord. 
This is why James said it this way. Let not many among you become teachers, for they will incur a stricter judgment. For many desire, and this is not James, but many desire to stand before man because of the glory that comes with it, but fail to consider the judgment and the accountability that comes as well. A daunting task with an amazing eternal reward. One that is a crown that we will lay at his feet that will never fade away. Thank you for worshiping with us here at Oasis Online. If this message was an encouragement to you, would you send me an email and let me know at pastor at obclv.org. Before you go, go check us out at oasisbaptistchurch.org. And if we can be of any help to you or an encouragement to you, please let us know. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.